Hi, I'm Associate Pastor Ryan French, and we're so glad you're listening to the Apostolic Tabernacle Church podcast. We hope this teaching and preaching resource is a blessing. We'd love to pray for you. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, you can do so by visiting our website, www.aptabupc.com. Just click the prayer request tab in the menu. You can also support this ministry with an offering at the website as well, or by texting the word GIVE to 678-846-6522. Again, that's 678-846-6522. If you live in the Atlanta area, we'd be honored to see you in one of our services. We'll invite you right into our church family and make you feel right at home. We love you and need you, Jesus. We magnify you, Lord. You know, we lift up our hands as a symbol that we're surrendering to God. But when we lift our hands, it it has a double meaning. We're surrendering, but we're also symbolizing victory. And what we're really representing is that in our surrender to God, we obtain victory over the enemy. I think you ought to lift up your hand right now in your home and say, Lord, I surrender to you. And devil, I'm taking authority over you in Jesus' name. Everything that would come against a child of God has no authority over the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to direct your attention to Matthew chapter 1. It'll be our main text today. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 23. I'd like to thank everyone who's working behind the scenes on the live stream and the sound to make sure that we can have virtual church and for our praise team and Brother Nathan and Sister Rachel and my wife who work tirelessly and and sing to an empty building, but they know that you're watching and that you're worshiping. And I thank everyone for their hard work, even in the middle of a pandemic. It's much appreciated. And for all of you that are remaining faithful to the house of God while we're having to sequester ourselves, thank you for that. Matthew 1.23, a familiar Christmas passage says this, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us, God with us. And so I'm preaching today, Emmanuel, God with us, God with us, amen. If you have your Bibles at home, you can put them down and let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that this this sermon would reach through the means of technology and would touch hearts and minds, families, young and old, rich and poor, sick and healthy. I pray that the word would penetrate our hearts and make a difference. We would allow it to make the difference in our lives. And everyone said in Jesus name, in Jesus name, amen. God bless you. The psalmist poetically referred to God as their refuge, their fortress, and their ever-present help in the time of need. They spoke of the shelter of the Most High and the shadow of the Almighty. King David wrote in Psalm 32 and 7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. All of these are beautiful descriptors of a God they had never seen. 
But the beauty of the Christmas story is that God came down into the midst of his own creation as a man. The great creator became my savior and all God's fullness dwells in him. That's the, that's the beauty of the Christmas story. And it's why we celebrate, or at least it's, it should be the reason we celebrate. I love this story. In 1921, William Booth Cliburn preached a, a powerful tent revival in a little city called Lodi, California. And inspired by the results of that tent revival, Reverend Cliburn suggested that the revival should continue meetings further south in California and, and set up a tent in Holtville. After acquiring the necessary permits and buying lighting and all of the things they would need, they began revival services. But sadly, heavy rains uh, caused the attendance to be very low and it quenched the fiery services. So. They were unable to pay the light bill for the week of disappointing meetings. And Reverend Cliburn and his comrades took temporary jobs working in fields to harvest corn. The evangelist was not used to this kind of labor, and he was disappointed by his perceived failure. And, uh, and he sat down, crestfallen, in a field. He was dejected. He was discouraged. And he had a moment of self-pity. And in that moment of self-pity, the Lord began to deal with him. And God began to put words into Reverend Cliburn's spirit. And he sang them out loud. And those words put to melody have become one of the greatest anthems of the apostolic church. You might recognize it. Down from his glory, ever living story, my God and Savior came. And Jesus was his name, born in a manger, to his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him, my breath, my sunshine, my all in all. And then he said this, inspired by the Holy Ghost, the great creator became my savior, and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. I want to read the rest of the song to you just because it's so beautiful. He said, what condescension bringing us redemption that in the dead of night, not one faint hope in sight, God gracious, tender, laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. Without reluctance, flesh and blood, his substance, he took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. Oh, glorious mystery sacrifice of Calvary and now I know thou art the great I am oh how I love him do you love him today the great creator became our Savior and he stepped down into the midst of his own creation what a powerful thought that is and by the way that is one of the one of the aspects of Christianity that separates it so powerfully from every other known religion there is no other religion where the God of that religion came into its own creation took on the form of its creation and died for its creation only God only the one true living God loved us enough to step down into this world and bleed 
bleed and suffer and die for you and I today. Down from his glory is one of the greatest oneness apostolic anthems of all time. And it was birthed from pain. It was birthed in disappointment. It was birthed in a cornfield with an evangelist who felt like a failure. But Reverend Cliburn, he was reminded in that moment that Emmanuel literally means God with us. God with us in the good times and God with us in the bad times. God with us when it's easy and God with us when it's hard. God with us when we have money in the bank and God is with us when we don't have money in the bank. God is with us when we're sick and God is with us when we're healthy. And in that reminding moment, the words were birthed. I don't know what's raining on your personal revival today, but I want you to know that God is Emmanuel, God with you. He is with you wherever you are in this moment right now. If you're at home, if you're in your car, if you're happy or sad, if you're struggling or everything's easy, it doesn't matter. God is our ever-present help in the time of trouble. He is the one that can dry your tears and he is the one that can bring complete satisfaction to your soul. I don't know what fiery furnaces you're facing in this coming year. I know we faced a lot of furnaces in the year 2020 and some people are worried what 21 is going to look like but I want to remind you that the fiery furnace does not matter because we have Emmanuel God with us who will step into the fire with us us and he will be there to protect us and keep us. I don't know what disappointments are plaguing your mind today, but I want you to know that God is Emmanuel. He is with us. It must have been terrifying. I think of this often. It must have been scary for Mary to give birth to a baby in a barn. But when Mary looked down at that child, she was looking at Emmanuel the Messiah, God in their midst. And by the way, I, I personally believe that God sent the shepherds and the wise men bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to reassure Mary and Joseph that their baby was indeed the king of kings. The Messiah, the baby king in that moment, didn't need gold and frankincense or myrrh. And in that moment, it wasn't necessarily important for him to receive the adulation of shepherds and kings. But Mary and Joseph, who had just endured a long and terrifying journey from their home to the birthplace of Jesus in Bethlehem to pay taxes, by the way. And this had been a difficult time for them. And they were enduring the scorn of people who did not believe that Mary's virgin birth was indeed miraculous. There were people, no doubt, who certainly uh, were skeptical of her story. And so they desperately needed a reminder that this baby was indeed God sent. And so God, in his majesty, sent kings and he sent wise men and he sent angels and he sent shepherds to remind them that this was indeed a miraculous birth. You know, sometimes after we've been rejected from the comforts of the inn and we're stuck in a barn, it doesn't feel like God is with us. When people 
make fun of us or look down on us. It's easy to forget that God is with us. But God will always send precious reminders that he is here and he's working all things together for our good. He is working all things together for our good. You probably never think about it, but we're living on a planet that is currently spinning around its axis at a speed of approximately 1,000 miles per hour. God created this process so precisely that we don't even feel it happening. Plus, planet Earth is speeding through space at approximately 67,000 miles per hour. Every day, we travel 1,608,000,000 miles throughout space without a single glitch. Most people get nervous when they get on an airplane because a human being is at the wheel. But we never stop and worry about this flying, spinning, gigantic planet. Why? Because God is in complete control. He is the maker. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. And he didn't just make the world and form it with his words and leave it to itself. No, God remains in his creation with us. He is Emmanuel. Somebody ought to lift up your hands this morning and say, thank you for being with us, with us through all the circumstances of life. In the beginning, God spoke the universe into existence with four small words, let there be light. These are God's first recorded words, and this is God's first recorded miracle. Light is the source of vision. Without light, we can't see. Light is the key to technology. It's how we talk to people halfway around the world without a second's delay because light can circle the globe seven times a second. The reason you're able to watch this video virtually is because of the technology associated with light because light can speed through a lens and that lens can take it to a wire and that wire can take it to a receptor that takes it to the internet and brings it into your home. Light is the first link in the food chain. No photosynthesis equals no food. Light is the basis of health. The absence of light causes everything from vitamin deficiencies to depression. Light is the origin of energy. In Einstein's famous equation, E equals MC squared. M represents the speed of light. The speed of light is constant, and the speed of light is how we measure space and time. God created light first because it undergirds everything else in his creation. In 1925, Edwin Hubble introduced his telescope to the world and discovered that the universe was 100,000 times larger than scientists previously thought possible. But that wasn't the most interesting discovery. The Hubble telescope revealed that the universe is still expanding right at this very moment. Here's what that means. The four words spoken by God in the beginning are still creating galaxies at the outer edges of the universe. With just four words, God created an ever-expanding
expanding universe that measures at least 93 billion light years in diameter. And all of that is just in Genesis chapter 1. My friend, if God can do all of that with just four words, imagine what Emmanuel, God with us, can do for us right now, right here today. Don't tell me a pandemic is too big for God. If the universe is still expanding at the spoken word thousands and thousands of years ago, God can speak into our pain. God can speak into sickness. God can speak into discouragement. And he can bring light to your circumstance. He can bring light to the darkness of your life. And he can turn things around. Genesis chapter 2 records the first instance of God coming down into the midst of creation. He reached into the dust of the ground and he formed Adam. And the Bible says that he breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. In the next verse, God planted a garden for Adam to live in. Genesis chapter 3 records the second instance of God coming down from his glory into the midst of his creation. Adam and Eve had just sinned against God and they had partaken of the fruit they were not supposed to eat of. They were naked and they were ashamed. And when God called out to them as he had no doubt done many times before, the Bible says that Adam and Eve hid themselves from his presence. That's what sin does and that's what sin did. It separates us from the presence of God. Adam and Eve separated themselves from the presence of God because they instinctively knew their sin, their shame, and their rebellion made them incompatible with God. Can I just preach to a sinner for just a moment here? And by the way, I'm, I'm not preaching down to you. This is not meant to be condemning because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single individual born of a woman in to this world is born with the propensity to sin is born with a nature of sin it's normal and natural for us to sin in our present fallen state but I would like to preach to you and tell you that sometimes you feel as if God is separating himself from you but that isn't the reality the reality is sin causes us to do like Adam and Eve first did to God sin causes us to push our ourselves away from God. We think God's pushing away and we think God's pulling away, but the reality is that God is calling out to you right now, even in the middle of your sin, even in the middle of your backsliding, even in the middle of your failure. God is desirous of a relationship with you and he desires a relationship with me, but at some point we have to overcome the shame of sin and say, Lord, I have fallen. Lord, I have failed. Lord, I can't do this by myself. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Help me, Jesus. And you will find that this is more than just a little sermon for Christmas, that God really is Emmanuel. He'll meet you where you are. You can be in a bar. If you'll cry out to Jesus, he'll meet you there. You can be somewhere lost. And if you'll cry out to God, he'll meet you there. You can be in the middle of your trespass, but if you'll cry out to Jesus, he'll meet you there. This is 
This is the message of the Christmas story. Matthew 1, 21 through 23. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. From the day that Adam and Eve separated themselves and hid themselves from God. In fact, the Bible says that they inadequately, because sin and shame came into the world, now carnal fleshly thinking and lust had entered into the world, and they realized they were naked and needed to be covered. And so they inadequately covered themselves with fig leaves. And even that wasn't enough, so they were hiding from God. And when God found them, the Bible says that he saw their nakedness and he saw the inadequacy of their covering. And this is the first instance where holiness is instituted in the word of God. And God took the skins of animals and he covered them so they would be modest in their sin. And in this moment, from that moment forward until the day that the Messiah was born, God had a plan to reconcile his creation to himself. Sin separated his creation from him, and God was desirous of a relationship. Now, this to me is the greatest mystery of the Bible. I had someone ask me recently, what is the greatest mystery or the hardest thing in the Bible to understand? And their first question, because they were not a oneness apostolic like I am, they said, would it be the oneness of God? And I said, no, to me, the oneness of God is one of the easiest things in the Bible to understand. <laughs> in fact, if you want to make things complicated, start playing around with the Trinity and you'll really be messed up. The oneness of God is easy to understand. They thought maybe it would be the infilling of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. That's not difficult for me to understand. If God can part Red Seas, God can fill people with his spirit and cause us to speak in a language that we've never been taught, that we've never learned. It makes sense to me that the, what the Bible describes as, as the most dangerous member of our body, our tongue, the thing that separates people, the thing that harms people, the member of our bodies that we use for sin to lie and to curse and to harm people with our words. It makes sense to me that what the Bible describes as the most difficult member of the body to tame, in other words, the tongue, you, you, it's very difficult to control your, your words. Some people have a harder time than others, but it makes sense to me that God would say, I'm going to take the most difficult member of your body to tame, and when I fill you with my spirit, the evidence of that infilling is going to be that I take control of that difficult, untamable member of your body, and I begin to cause you to speak and a heavenly language that you have not learned. All of that makes sense to me. But what's hard for me to understand is why does God love us enough to care at all? When it really comes down to it, we're his creation. I don't understand why God loves us the way he loves us. I don't understand why God would be willing to move mountains to have a relationship with us. I don't understand why God would be willing to debase himself and come into a world that is literally in rebellion against him. I don't understand why God would allow himself to be nailed to a tree. I don't understand why Jesus would suffer the humiliation of being crucified naked while people gambled for his garments and mocked him. I don't understand 
understand if I was God and my own creation was saying, come down off that tree. If you're really God, just come down off that cross. If I was God, I would have come down off that cross in glory and splendor. And I would have said, I'll show you power and authority. But no, God loves us so much that he was willing to suffer all of the indignity of the cross all of the indignity of people who hated him. Even today, God suffers the pain of people who turn their backs on him on a daily basis. People who want to receive his blessings, but they don't want to give him their lives. People who want to receive his goodness, but they return his goodness with evil. And God receives all of that, and yet he still loves us enough to forgive us and pour his own spirit out upon us. He loves us enough to keep reaching even as the world grows darker in the last days. He loves us enough to reach past all of the filth of the world and try to touch us one more time so that we will finally serve him the way that we should. This is the miracle of the Christmas story that he came as a baby, a helpless baby that needed to be protected by its own creation. When Jesus came into this world, he depended on Mary and Joseph. They weren't randomly chosen people. God looked at the hearts of Mary and Joseph, and he saw two people who would be willing to protect the Messiah, people who would be willing to sacrifice for the Messiah, people who would be willing to suffer for the Messiah, and he chose them to be his protector as a baby, and then he grew into their Savior and my savior as well. The great creator became my savior and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. He did this on Calvary's tree so that you and I could respond to the gospel so that we wouldn't have to run in our shame like Adam and Eve did. We don't have to hide when we hear the voice of God. Rather, we can respond to his voice we respond first with repentance. We say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Repentance literally means to turn away. We talked about this Wednesday night. It literally means to make a decision that I'm going to turn from my old ways, my old lifestyle. I'm going to make a complete change in my life. It's really a commitment and, and also sorrow at the same time. So we're sorrowful for what we've done, but we're committing at the same time to abstain from our sin and to walk with God. And after repentance, we're baptized in his name. This is the burial. We're buried with him in baptism is what the apostle Paul said. We do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we finally know the name. His name is Jesus. That's what the angel just said. Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. That's why we go to Acts 4.12. It says there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So we don't baptize in just any name. It's important that we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And then we don't stop at baptism just like Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't stay in the grave? We know he's Emmanuel not because he bled and not because he died. I'm thankful he suffered. I'm thankful he died. But the proof that he was the Messiah is in the resurrection. 
resurrection. He was resurrected on the third day. He rolled the stone away and he stepped out in splendor and glory, proving for all of time that he was indeed God manifest in the flesh. He had power over death, hell, and the grave. He did more than just heal sickness in the natural world. He literally overcame death himself. Only God could do that. Only the creator could do that. Only the designer could do that. And he did it for all to see. And so in our obedience to the gospel, we repent. That's the death. We, we are baptized. That's the burial. But the proof that we are now becoming like God, the proof that we are filled with his resurrection power and his spirit is when we receive the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Sometimes we call that the initial evidence or the initial proof or it's the first proof we know that it's not the only proof there are many other things that let others know and let ourselves know that we're filled with the spirit now when we have the holy spirit in our lives the fruit of the spirit begins to move in our lives joy love long suffering we don't like long suffering because it literally means to suffer long but when you have the holy ghost you can long suffer your way through 2020 and you can still do it with joy in your heart because you know that God is with you and not only is God with you when you have his spirit now he becomes God in you I wish somebody who has God dwelling inside of them would just begin to worship him for a moment right in your home with your family just begin to worship because God is not just with you he is now inside of you thank you Lord for being with me but Lord I thank you that you're in me that you're changing me and rearranging me and empowering me God with us is what allows him to be God in us and God in us is what allows us to be with him in glory it's what allows us to have the resurrection power. It's what allows us when the trumpet sounds. This is why it's so important. And the trumpet is going to sound very, very soon. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we, which are alive and remain, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. This is another symbol of the resurrection power. Remember that Jesus ascended into heaven in front of a cloud of witnesses. He literally began to rise off the earth into the heavens and so we who are his children and filled with his spirit and have that same resurrection power when the trumpet sounds we're going to rise up just like our Emmanuel rose up and we're going to join him in the sky and we're going to remain with him in glory it is that resurrection power without the Holy Ghost we don't have the power to be resurrected we don't have the power to live an overcoming life but when you have it there is nothing in this world that can stop you no devil in hell can overcome you nothing hell throws at you can cause you to stumble when you're walking in the power of the Holy Ghost this is the story of Christmas Emmanuel God with us God in us and God drawing us back to him in glory if you love him today perhaps you're at home and you 
and you're hungry for the Holy Ghost, you've never received the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, I want you to know that you can receive the Holy Ghost right in your home right now. Nobody has to be with you. You can be completely by yourself. Why? Because God is with you. God isn't just in this room. God just isn't just in this building. God is everywhere. And he's where you are right now. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry for the Holy Ghost, I'm encouraging you right now to begin by repenting of your sins, making a commitment. Lord, not only am I sorrowful for my sinful lifestyle, but God, I'm committing. I want to turn from that, and I want to turn towards you. As you repent sincerely before God, if you will seek him, if you'll worship him, sometimes we lift up our hands, sometimes we lift up our heads. If you'll lift up your voice and speak to God. He will fill you with his spirit and you'll begin to speak in other tongues. It, it's not something that you can do. It's not something you'll make happen. God will begin to supernaturally fill you with his spirit right where you are. If you're home today and you're struggling because you feel the pain of this year and perhaps you feel the depression that's sinking in from being quarantined and all of the things that have made this year difficult, I want to remind you that God is with you in the midst of those feelings. And if you will cry out to him, he will encourage you with his spirit right now. Because we know the Holy Ghost is resurrection power, but it is also the comforter. The scripture says that the Holy Ghost is the great comforter. It brings us comfort in our most difficult hours. And God wants to comfort you right now. Would you gather, if you're with your family or if you're with a friend, if, you're, uh, if you've got some people around, I want you to gather them around and I want you to begin to pray. If you're alone, I want you to lift your hands. And in dismissal and in closing, I'm going to pray over you. If you need the Holy Ghost, God's going to fill you. If you need encouraged, God's going to encourage you. If you need healing in your body. God is going to heal you. I believe it in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, I pray God that you who said in the beginning, let there be light and there was light. I pray that you will speak into every circumstance, Lord. I pray, Lord, the same light that is causing my image to be transferred onto a screen in someone's home. I pray, Lord, that your creative power would touch their minds and hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would fill someone with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues right now. I pray, oh God, that someone who is on the verge of giving up would find strength and courage in the Holy Ghost. I pray the comforting power and authority of the Holy Ghost would settle on their home, settle on their hearts, and settle on their minds. Touch men, women, boys, and girls, young and old, rich and poor. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to them right now. I pray that we would remember that you are with us in every season, in every circumstance, Lord. You're not far removed from us. You're not somewhere distant and untouchable, but Lord, you are here. And I pray not only would you be with us, but that you would be in each and every one of us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, and everyone said in Jesus' name, amen.